Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to another episode of Backspin. I'm Steve Anderson. With me in the studio, Larry Canning. Hello to you. Hello, Steve. And hello, listeners. And we're here thanks to Inside Golf. You can go to insidegolf.com.au to listen to Backspin, any of the old episodes. They're all there. And they're full of good stuff, as is the Inside Golf website. There's lots of information, whether it's about destinations, whether it's about golf gear, tips on how to play better. Your column's on there. Yep, my column is definitely on there. And it's all there at insightgolf.com.au. Start from the back, Steve. As we know, read, start reading from Start the from the back. We've had a bit of feedback, actually. <laughs> yes, um, we have. Uh, John Shearer. John's a member up at uh, Grafton Golf Club. Uh, mm-hmm. You played Grafton? I have played Grafton, yes. Good course. Speaking of kangaroos, a lot of roos there. Great course, yes. Yeah. Beautiful course. G'day, John. Thanks for the feedback. He loves the show. He actually got in touch with us through the um, the Backspin Facebook page. Which is called? The Backspin Facebook, Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you for the feedback. And you can get in contact with us if there's someone from your club you'd like to tell us about, something you'd like to talk about, just Get in touch with us through that that Facebook page. Just go search Backspin on Facebook and it will pop up. And it's got all the old episodes. And you're you're populating it with all sorts of good material, aren't you, Larry? I'm doing a lot of populating, Steve. Yes, I, I thought my populating days were over behind me, but I'm yeah, I'm back populating. Bit more feedback from. Speaking uh, of which, I've got a grandson, Steve. Oh, you. Is it? Did that only happen since we last? Uh, I believe. Yes, I believe it did. Yes. Congratulations, grand granddad Larry. Yeah, I'm a granddad. Reuben, Reuben Arthur is my grandson. Little Reuben, your Reuben. your uh, middle son, Jared. Middle, yeah, that's correct. Yep. And his lovely partner, Aaron. Aaron, yes. Yeah. Yep. Well done to you, and congratulations. You. How's it going? How is it being a grandfather? He's a little ripper. God, he's a handsome brute. Excellent. Bit you, like know, when the, you know, when lots of people put photos of their grandkids and kids on Facebook. Yeah. You, know, you sort of go, oh, not another one. Well, this is different. When I put Reuben on, you have to look at him. He's gorgeous. Okay. Enough about Reuben. Let's move on. <laughs> what else is player. happening today? He's going to be a good player. Um, British Open, Steve. Gee, you did well. Oh, how well did I do just quietly? Francesco Molinari, and I was bordering on oh, changing Justin my mind. Justin Rose. Yes. Wow. I was. I had a shocker. I don't know where Tommy Fleetwood finished 12th, I think, something like yeah, that. Yeah, he had. Um, he was in there for a little while. Yeah, definitely. Well, he was Was he leading after two? Up with the lead he, after he, two he rounds. Was, he was doing very well after a couple of rounds, but you, you picked it. You picked Molinari, and uh, then Justin Rose was your other, your other one. You were... Uh, a bit either way, but you went with Francesco Molinari I in did. the end, yep. and Justin Rose finished second. What was it about Molinari that, that won it for him? Just his, his lead up to it, Steve. The, the form he was in, that winning that Quicken's Loan tournament in America by eight shots not long ago, uh, won the British PGA a month or two earlier uh, at Wentworth. Two big events. Um, he was just looking like he was on this uh, upward upward angle in his um, his, in his game. <laughs> I always try and always try and find a way to say that, and I always struggle. His game was. Um, in great, great shape. Probably he was probably playing as well as anyone in the world. He was on an up, upward tra- trajectory. Trajectory is the word I'm yeah, trying to find. Yeah, he was definitely on that. And uh, you could you could see when he won those two tournaments just how calm and collected he was. And that they're two big events. I know they're not majors. It is his first major. The, the British Open was, but you know you could just tell he was going to win something massive very soon. And 
And sure enough, there it was. The, it doesn't get any bigger than the British Open, Stevie. Someone who was at the British Open we're going to talk with in the show today is Gary Barter, who you know very well. Gary is, uh, I, I describe him as one of Australia's best coaches, but he's actually one of the best golf coaches in the world, isn't Absolutely, he? yeah. He's got he's a massive reputation, particularly on the American tour, where he spent a lot of time with Matt Jones, uh, the Australian Open winner from 215, and also winner on the PGA Tour. He's, he's, he's coached uh, Andre Stoltz, who won on the PGA Tour, Gabriel Hirschstedt also. He's, he's had three or four or five maybe victories on the US Tour. So, yeah, he gets a lot of respect when he's walking up and down the practice fairways by the other coaches and the players in America. Yeah, so he was there. Gary was there. And it's interesting to hear some of his thoughts about uh, not only the, the Open itself, but also about the course, Carnoustie, which mm. was, um, gee, it was dry. It was extraordinary. And it will be fascinating to hear Gary's interpretation of, of, of that golf course and how the, the guys were playing it. Some of the, tees, the the clubs they were using from the tees were just bizarre, mm. like short irons off the tee on a, on a long par four to lay up short of a fairway trap. It'll be fascinating to listen to Gary. Yeah, so Gary's got some thoughts about um, uh, Carnoustie and what went on there at uh, this year's Open Championship, the British Open. Also catching up with Richard Fellner today. Richard's our mate, the editor of Inside Golf. And Richard has been in Japan. He went to the Mizuno factory. What factory did he go to? <laughs> Sorry, I started laughing. I've got to, I've got to put my Japanese straight face on. Mizuno. He went to the Mizuno factory, and it's a pretty amazing place. In fact, Mizuno's a, a pretty amazing company, been around for a long time, but golf, whilst it's not a big part of their business, is a real focus for them. Mm, yeah, and it's a magnificent product. It always has been, Stephen. A lot of players use this golf club that aren't paid to use on the tour, so which justifies just how well this golf club is made. Larry, we're going to be travelling today, making our way up the New South Wales coast. We're off to Port Stephens in the beautiful Nelson Bay Golf Club today, one of the, the great courses on the New South Wales coast. You love it, don't you? Well, yeah, it's, it's one of the more established golf courses in New South Wales too, Steve. It's been a great golf course for a long time. They've, they've made some improvements to the golf course. It's 27 holes now, very busy, but it's, it is a fantastic golf course. Beautiful layout. Ridiculously busy, in fact. Yeah, it's crazy busy. Yeah, amazing. How many people, how many rounds are played there every year? We'll find out more from Trevor Harrison, who's the general manager of Nelson Bay Golf Club in Backspin today. And they've got a brand new clubhouse, or pretty much brand new clubhouse. The old one burnt down, I think. It burnt down in 2015, Steve. Yeah, and they've rebuilt this golf course. And it, it, it's interesting when like, something like this happens, you know, m- most old golf clubhouses are, are sort of built on this bits built on and tacked on over the years but this they've, they've started from scratch here so they've built a purpose-built golf uh, clubhouse for this place and it, apparently it is brilliant nelson bay golf club we'll talk some more about uh, nelson bay golf club with trevor harrison later in the show today you got a tip i do have a tip steve loft down young man Loft down, young loft man. down everyone likes to get it in the air everyone loves to loft up let's loft down let's be sensible Steve. all right more to come, and you're going to have a bit of a spit about, well, some some unprofessional behaviour from a professional golfer. Mm, I think this kid's in a bit of trouble. Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. He's, I think he's in a bit of trouble. We'll talk about that a bit later. Okay, and we might put the footage on our uh, – we might get a link and mm. put it on our Facebook page. Yes, definitely. What is that Facebook page, by the way? Uh, it's uh, Backspin um, Facebook page. 
Okay. <laughs> is that what it is? Something like that. <laughs> a little bit. Larry, let's talk about the US PGA, which is coming up starting August 9th at the Belle Reve Country Club in uh, St. Louis, as we call it. St. Louis, as the, <laughs> the Americans call it. So uh, I think that's probably the correct way to pronounce it. Hasn't hosted, the, hosted a PGA since 1992. Long time between drinks. And back then it was won by Nick Price. Yeah. Do you know anything about the course? No, no, I don't know much about the golf course. Do they, they rotate the PGA around quite a lot. They, they don't, uh, the US Open have a little group of, a little nest of uh, tournament that, uh, sites that they play courses. The British Open have their rota. Um, but the PGA, and obviously the Masters doesn't change, but the, the PGA tends to change a lot, which is good for the game in America. Um, there was actually talk of the PGA being taken overseas, Steve, um, once every six years. I think this was about two or three years ago they were talking about moving around the world, which would have been a great thing. Seems to have gone to sleep with the new St. Jay Moynihan took over the uh, the role as the PGA Tour guy. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, at the, at the Bellarif Country Club. Um, you'd have to be thinking, Steve, after what we saw at the British Open, the people on the top of that leaders board at the Open are going to be on the top of this board. Uh, and, and, of course, Jordan Spieth, McElroy. Dustin Johnson, who just won the Canadian Open, I can't see anyone beating him. I can't see. When he gets in that sort of form, he's, he's another level, isn't he? He's seriously good. All the major winners from this year are there. Obviously, Brooks Kepka's playing, Francesco Molinari, Patrick Reed. they're all going to be there. So it's a jam-packed uh, group of potential oh, yeah. winners, isn't it? It's the strongest field of the year, Steve. There's no, there's no, uh, there's qualifying, but the, the, the you have to be a PGA member to play in it. So, you know, British Opens, uh, there's, there's always an, an amateur element, and, and you know, they, they deserve their spot in the field. But it takes up some spots that some other seriously good players can take. The PGA is the best collection, I believe. They always say the Players Championship. I reckon the PGA has the best collection of great players in the field. So a great player will probably win this year, given what I'm seeing, how well the really top ranked players in the world are playing at the moment. So you're going with Dustin Johnson. Dustin doesn't matter what the course you think at the eight. moment. Yeah, he, yep. he's going to be hard to beat. Ten. You know, I'm going to go with Tiger. I thought you might do that. Well, just a, uh, a bit of a dark horse, I suppose. He, he's getting better all the time. Like, dark he's, horse he's, is a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but but he is getting better all the time. He's not a dark horse, mate. He is one of the favourites, clearly going to this event, and how close he came to the British Open winning that surely surely there's a major around the corner for him well and knowing the psyche of tiger you would think that winning another major is something he he wants to do i mean mm. it's obviously a goal and to do it this year you would think after the way he's been performing particularly as you say at the open it's something that i think he'd really like to do this year yeah absolutely yeah we're just looking at maybe a win this year steve of any type might have been a, a bit of a stretch from earlier in the year, but now he clearly he is playing well enough to win anything. And with, with 14 majors under his belt, it's not like a major is a first-time thing for him, like he, he's going to get really nervous and, and, and collapse under the pressure. He's, you know, he, he owns more of those than I own um, Holden Scramble um, qualifying wins. <laughs> well, that was one of his goals. So. He wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> win more majors than Larry's won Holden, Holden Scramble, Scramble uh, regional, regional, regional titles. Regional finals, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same. So it's relative, Stephen. Oh, okay. right, I'm going, very important to a lot of people. I'm going with the Tiger. Okay. You are going Dusty with DJ. Yep. That's our tips for the 2018 PGA Championships at Belle Reve uh, Country Club in St. Louis. St. Louis. Do you leave me in St. Louis? That was a famous old song. Meet me. Meet, meet me in St. Louis. Yeah. Bit of feedback through the Facebook page once again uh, from uh, G. Norman. Uh, no first name in Florida. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, Larry. Totally agree with what you said about the great white shark in the last episode of Backspin. Attached is a photo that didn't make the magazine. Hope you like it. No idea what that's the all about. The old dorsal fin. Yeah, I thought it did. Hey, yeah. What about that? You that's couldn't pretty see it. Good. You couldn't see it in the show. That's shot. pretty good stuff. Yeah. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. More in a moment. The Backspin interview. Thanks to Inside Golf. Gary Barter is renowned as one of the best golf coaches in Australia, uh, guiding the performance of many professionals, including the 2015 Australian Open winner, Matt Jones. Is he your coach too, Larry? Uh, I don't think Gary wants me to tell anyone. No? Yeah, I once, I once, I said it once and um, he tried to sue me. All right, yeah. well, we won't mention that then, but he's back in Australia after being over at the Open Championship at Carnoustie in recent weeks, and it's time to welcome him to the program. Gary Barter, hello. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, guys. Yeah, mate, um, British Open experience must have been extraordinary for a number of reasons. I mean, the Tiger Show, the, the golf course, Carnoustie, and the dryness of it, uh, what what did you take away from it, guys? Just as a, as an overall sort of view of the whole tournament. Yeah, I, look, I went. I've been to watching the with St Andrews, Troon, Liverpool, and I was looking forward to going to Tunis because obviously I grew up with Radar Wayne Riley, who's one of your old yeah golfers. Radar, yep, yep. <laughs> and he he obviously won round there. Yep. And I was obviously it's revered for being super tough, mm. um, and and obviously famous for Vanderveld as well. So I was, I was really excited about being there, but it, the course, uh, really, really dry, very, very brutal, and really just tees and greens and pot bunkers, and it wasn't, it wasn't that memorable as far as a great golf course. I think I was traveling, if I was traveling to play golf in Europe, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be on my list. Mm. But as far as just the exacting nature of it and how. Difficult to play it, and the variety of stuff that required to, to navigate your way around there. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, they talk about it being the toughest golf course, but it just you know, on the on the British Open road, but it just looks so bizarre. Um, Matt Jones, Matt, Matt missed the cut, but um, you, you were saying he had a practice round um, with with Leishman and Adam Scott, was it? Yeah, I, I think um, the first the first the first thing that I noticed that they got on the first tee and they hit a four iron. And then a then a sort of a nine iron. I thought, oh, well, that's that's okay. The fairway's just super fast running. And they get on the uh, the third hole, about a three hundred and seventy five yard hole, and they're hitting off with a seven iron. Oh, really? And, yeah. And then I thought to myself, oh, well, yeah, I can understand that because there's some pot bunkers, and that that left them like an eight iron to the green. And then the fifth hole, which is four thirty five, um, hitting off again with a seven iron. And it was quite bizarre because like a seven iron. Normally, these guys are hitting at, say, 170 yards. The seven iron's going 235 yards. It was, <laughs> it was amazing, the fairways and the run on the fairways, which added another dimension to the game because it was... Obviously, you've got a width of fairway, and, and they, seemed, they seemed a reasonable width, but as you know, being a golfer, running that hard and fast, it was with the knoll and the runoff. It was hard to actually hit the thing on the fairway. So that... That, to me, was the big thing I thought with Matt, is just that you had to really adapt. You really had to adapt to a different game. And, and, and looking at Matt, who's obviously a great player, very skillful, has all the shots, he was just so different um, mentality. Where normally, you know, playing the PGA Tour, it's what's the number, oh, it's 158, what's the run out, mm. 168, mm. what's the carry. And over there, um, I can see why Steve... Would would navigate their way to the top of the board because their their skill set to adjust 
and to play the course that how you how you should play it is is takes a lot of takes a lot of courage. Well, and, and a lot of luck too, Gary, wasn't there? I mean, when you're talking about a golf ball rolling 60, 70 metres, I mean, if it hits an upslope, I saw uh, at one stage, I think it was Molinari, and I forget who he was playing with, playing the 18th, and I, I think it was one of the second or third round or something, and they both landed within a metre of each other. One was nearly in the ditch. One must have run 80 metres. The other one ran about yeah, that, five. That, I, actually, I noticed that. I actually noticed that with Scotty and Matt practice round that on the third hole, Scotty got the upslope of a, a mm. knoll and Matt got the downslope, the ball would have landed three yards different and Matt was 70 yards further yeah, yeah. that he had to get out backwards. So you've, you've been and to it, British Opens before, Gary. I mean, was this was this like just a one-off thing? Is it, was uh, it? Yeah, look, I, look I, I, I spoke to Justin Rose and obviously he just said they've, you know, they've had an extended period of, period of time with no rain. Mm. And it was, I've never, just, just the feeling of hitting the golf ball off the fairway, what I, what I found interesting because obviously I work with Rummy as well. And what I noticed was, unless you're a really good ball striker, the club, as you know, hitting a good iron shot, you've got to hit the golf ball. Then the ground, mm. it sort of helps the club stabilise the face of the club. Yep. The, ball, the ball then comes off. But you virtually, no matter how hard you hit the ground, the face, unless you had some face control, the, the club would almost skid off the ground. It was mm. quite bizarre. It was... Um, it was perfect for you. Like, obviously, hitting everything off the bottom group. Um, you know, you would have a chance. So but, but, um, Sometimes I miss that group as well, mate. <laughs> yeah, so, no, but I did find, I did find, uh, I found, the, and the greens were just normal greens. It, it, it's mm. not like, it's not like uh, they thought, you know, we've got the open coming up, let's do our best. They, it, they were just a lot of, lot of, a um, lot of power. Matt went off at four twenty last group oh. first day, and and it was it was really challenging. Like it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, okay. Surfaces. Yeah, that was the that was the bad draw too, wasn't it? Late late early. Yeah, like yeah. like as you know, British Opens, it is a big big advantage dis- disadvantage mm. with the draw. You can get lucky, you get up. Yep. You can get lucky going off at four twenty, uh, and the wind could die down. But yeah, Matt Matt. Matt sort of copped, and Rummy, who hit off the group before him, they, they copped sort of 18 holes in the slight breeze. Nothing, nothing, the wind was never stupid. Mm. If it was stupid, you know, I could imagine throw shooting 90 around there. But they, and then the second day they went out, they went out sort of 12, 13 holes in the rain. Mm. So um, that draw, and Tiger got that draw as well. Yeah, um, that draw wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the best draw. So, so in a way, despite the, uh, the the state of the course and the dryness of the course during the event, they were probably a, a little bit lucky with the weather conditions for those four days. I've got to say, Steve, the weather was amazing. Like yeah. it was amazing. It was it was amazing. Like like I was actually thinking that course the way it was. I can understand now when Pampling led the British Open many years ago and then he missed the cut. I can understand guys having big, big numbers around there because if it got really windy, like it never blew more than about twelve miles an hour mm-hmm. during the during the event, and and you know the winds that we get out here, um, yeah, it would have been it would have been really, really on the borderline of being unfair. But but what I what I did realise, and I was at the US Open this year at Shinnecock, the best players still seem to be able to navigate their way up the top of the board. Uh, they seem to have this innate ability to adjust and that's the biggest thing with the majors they do set the courses up and it does require a different skill set and it's becoming more and more clear to me that the that that combination of 
your skill set of, of hitting the golf ball, but also playing the game, managing the game. Um, yeah, they definitely seem to find their way up the top of the board. Other than the the obvious answers, people like uh, Tiger or the yep. eventual winner Molinari, was there anyone that you watched during the course of the event that, that really impressed you that you weren't maybe weren't expecting to be impressed by? Well, I suppose I suppose Showplay still, you know, he's obviously an impressive player. Twenty four years of age, he doesn't have the he doesn't have that sort of um, profile of a Jordan Spieth or a Justin Thomas or a Ricky Fowler. But but ultimately, if you look at his level of play over the last couple of years, he's clearly someone that has that combination of mental, physical um, and comfort in big championships. So, so for him, again, you look at him on the, on the range and, and you know, you've got the best players in the world there, but you wouldn't look at him hit the golf ball on the range and think this guy is, is up there consistently in big championships. Uh, so there's that, there's that non-tangible aspect that obviously Larry can see about, you know, all the years he played out there on tour, and you look at some guys and you think, how do they do it? Um, yeah, Showplay, he, he definitely he definitely impressed me. Especially he, his mental side, like very, very calm, very, very um, confident. So, yeah, I'd say him for sure. Tiger. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Tiger, Gary. You've seen the new golf swing. Um, the coachless golf swing. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, as one of the uh, probably m- well, most renowned coaches in the world now, um, what do you, what's your view on one not hitting Tiger, not having a coach, and two his new golf swing? Look, obviously I haven't got to speak to Tiger. Um, obviously I've just observed him probably closer than most because um, I get to get to see them a lot on tour. And he, he definitely he definitely decided. I think it was it was about November last year um, that he was sort of done with going down that ultra-technical path and, and just looking at him um, just, for, just from what I've observed and seen, he's definitely gone back you know, he's definitely gone back to just simplifying the game. His, his golf swing, you know, from a, from a technical point of view, is still definitely better around about the 2000s, but he, he's got older, you know, he's got obviously had, he's had injury, he's had uh, and he's, he's got age uh, not on his side at the moment uh, and when I watched him on the range, he still doesn't look super happy. But again, as a complete package, just the way he carries himself, goes about his business, short game, um, and his ability to sort of, you know, get his way into playing at a high, high level, you know, clearly everyone saw that he's, he's definitely back. There's no doubt about it. He's, and it's not like it's not like he's come back and he's had a couple of good finishes mm-hmm. on golf courses that aren't that that strict like he's he's proven this year clearly that that he's back there's no doubt about it he looked to me like he round the turn like with nine to play he started to you know feel what everyone else feels he probably started to feel like this is a, this is a maybe maybe very important maybe mm. a big chance through to win again um and maybe got a little bit edgy in that round the turn but you know what i'm sure he'll figure that out soon yeah you see him winning soon then I, I yeah. I, I look. Can he get I, out I, really, I really think. I really think he made a good. I think he made a decision to sort of cleanse himself mentally okay. of, of trying too hard to fix his golf swing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're looking right. forward to. We're looking forward to the rest of the year watching him play. They're going to know another major very yeah. soon. Look, look. If he can, if he can play a full schedule and he can. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think. I think he's definitely got the respect back inside yep. the ropes. I think yep. the other players now know that. He's back, and um, not, not the intimidation, maybe, but the respect. 
I'd say so. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so. Like Dustin Johnson, he's an, he's another gear. I think if he, you know, if he has if he has his D plus game, um, he do, he seems to have more weaponry than anyone else out there at the moment. He's um, he's clearly he's clearly the guy at the moment. All right, Gary, thank you for your time. What's up next for you? When are you back on the big plane overseas again? You going to the PGA? You know what? I'm going I'm going to Perth on Thursday and Friday to work with Rummy and Jason Scrivener just in their home. That's Brett for the listeners? That's Brett Rumford yeah. you're talking about, guys. Yeah, Brett Rumford. Yep. And he's got the best short game in the world. Yep. It's yep. amazing. And, um, you know, I may be going over the window uh, in a couple of weeks. That'll be, that'll be the last start for Matt in the current uh, season, try and get him into the FedEx Cup. Mm-hmm. And I've obviously got a big project with Larry coming up um, just to get his game ready. Uh, <laughs> Ray, is that for, is, is that for when he plays me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the good, good thing with Larry is that if ever, if ever I sort of get a bit lazy and I'm getting a bit relaxed, I need him to come out and sharp me up. Um, yeah, so. I'd definitely do that to you, mate. You're, you're fairly sharp by the time I leave. <laughs> I've left Gary Long in the ground there sometimes. He goes to sleep, just nods straight off. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes I can't drive straight home because it's, um, yeah, I've got to just sort of relax in the car a bit. But, um, yeah. Good on you, Gary. Right, Thank, thanks, right, mate. Guys. Thanks for coming on. Okay, thanks for your time. Right. See you, bye. See you, mate. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Time for us to welcome Richard Fellner to Backspin. Spin once again. He's the editor of Inside Golf and he's a quintessential golf tragic as well. Plus, the other thing about Richard Larry, I don't know whether you know this, I think you probably do. He knows how to rock a flat cap and a bow tie as well. He looks <laughs> in his photo in Inside Golf, he looks like some old school amateur champ from around 1923. He's a little bit old, old Tom Morrissey about him, isn't he? He does. Looks good. <laughs> Richard Fellner, hello. Uh, hey guys, how are you? Pretty well, mate. You've recently been over to Japan uh, to go behind the scenes at the Mizuno factory in Osaka, and I think it's pretty fair. I read the article that you wrote in Inside Golf about the visit. I think it's pretty fair to say you were blown away by uh, not only what you saw while you were there, but what you heard about the company as well. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, went up to um, Osaka and uh, toured, you know, there, there are many buildings in the factories and and like you said, I was absolutely blown away just by their, their dedication to quality and just everything they do. I just got to see, you know, a piece of metal uh, be heated and, uh, and turned into a golf club, which was something quite special. Yeah, the forging process these days is interesting, Richard, isn't it? I mean, uh, we're not talking about the old Stone Age period. Well, not sort of, the, what, what's the, 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 um, the, when the knights were around, Steve? What, what do we call that? That's the... Uh, like blacksmithing. The Middle Ages. Middle Ages? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, the Middle yeah, Ages. When you, yeah, yeah, when you go over to ye olde blacksmith shopping. That's the one. And and then he'd you know be pounding away on a little uh, little yeah. handball with a little exactly piece of metal pumping away with this thing on the right hand side of it, and, and and while he's putting a sword in and smashing it. Game of Thrones, I think I saw it. The, the new. So we're not talking that sort of quality <laughs> of forging here, are we? It's a totally no, different quality of forging. I, I read the article as well. It, it, that must have blown you away. Just that that process. Well, yeah, just watching them take this. Uh, you know, it's like a six piece, uh, six meter long piece of metal. You know, and they cut it and then they put it through this machine, this forging machine and this pounding machine, which is, you know, taller than my house. And when the thing uh, slams down on it, you can feel it, you know, 10 miles away, it's that big. And, um, you know, they're heating it to, you know, 1200 degrees Celsius. So it's red hot and you can feel the, the heat, you know, cause you're, we're standing, you know, a couple meters away and you can feel the heat, um, from the metal. Um, and it's, it's just full on with these, these machines and the, the people that work there, you know, they have to go through some ex- 
extensive training uh, to know how to do this just rocks. That's unbelievable. Yeah, they are. They, they, they've just they've trained for years and years, and it, you actually have to pass a course, don't you, on this to to be able that's to right. to even even consider forging, let alone at the Mizuno factory. That's right, and and that's what Mizuno is all about is is quality. So they they make sure that you know every single club head that comes out of the forging factory is spot on. And in order to do that, they have to make sure that all of the people are trained extremely well. And, you know, there's uh, it, it's just absolutely full on how much training and, and attention to detail there is at every single step of the process. Mizuno has been around for a long time, started by brothers back in 1906, as well it was called Mizuno Brothers originally. And golf is only really a small part of the company overall, isn't it? I mean, their focus was in the early days on producing things like baseball products, that sort of stuff. But these days, golf is only, as I say, a small part of the, the company overall. Why is golf so important to them, though? Well, look, the, the thing is, like you said, it, they started selling Western stuff. You know, it was all baseballs, and they started doing cl- uh, gloves and things like that. And they, they got into golf. Uh, I think they produced the very first Japanese line of golf clubs called the Star Line, I think it was. Um, and it's just been one of those things that it, it's not a huge part of the company, but it's a very profitable part of the company. And every single person that I met that works there is an avid golfer. I got to sit down with the uh, the president, uh, Mr. Akito Mizuno, who's like the grandson or the great-great-grandson of one of the brothers. Um, and he loves golf, and everybody there, and they're all good golfers. Like, everybody that I met, they're all scratch or better. So it, it's really ingrained into the culture there that they, that they love their golf. One of the secrets, I think, that uh, a lot of people may not know is that Mizuno is in the bags of some of the best players in the world. Now, Brooks Kepka, and, and, and we're talking players that aren't, contracted with Mizuno, they choose to use the clubs. They might have a contract that doesn't include golf clubs, but Brooks Kepka, the, the dual US Open winner, has used Mizuno JPX 900 two irons um, on both his US Open victories. So this is this is something that a lot of people wouldn't be, wouldn't realise, is it, Richard? Well, that's exactly right. And and what happened was when Nike exited the uh, the equipment manufacturing business, um, a lot of uh, players were looking around. You know, they're, they're free. They don't have any any contract. So a lot of them were, you know, looking at Mizuno because Mizuno's got such a great track record. You know, uh, Tiger Woods won playing Mizuno clubs by choice. Um, and, you know, they look at the, the feel, uh, they feel the feel of these clubs that are just amazing. Um, so they, they play these clubs without a contract. You won't see a lot of Mizuno logos on, on caps on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour. You see a few, you know, Luke Donald and, you know, obviously Nick Faldo, you know, he won a couple, I think three of his majors yep. with Mizuno clubs. So, um, but they, when, when it comes down to, you know, which club would you play if you didn't have to have a contract, a lot of players are going to Mizuno mm, just mm. because they're so good. What about your, your club player, your average player? Is the Mizuno club for uh, the average uh, course uh, golfer on the, the average course around the world? Well, they could be. Um, and the big thing with Mizuno is that you need to get fit. So anytime you go into any, you know, pro shop or any retailer or whatever, you need to get fit for your clubs. Uh, Mizuno are definitely clubs that the average player can can play sure there's a lot that are you know the, the high end that are you know good for the really good players um but you know they make they make clubs for for all levels but it's really important to get fit just so that you're getting the most out of your clubs um i don't think i've got much else to say so <laughs> well, well, the, the important thing larry is i, I really want to hear you say mizuno like <laughs> the other. <laughs> can you just give it to us just once oh, mizuno <laughs> That's very good. Now, Larry's got to go, <laughs> Richard. 
He's got to go and see his blacksmith. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is from what period against Steve? Uh, well, he's, he's going to... The Middle Ages. Yeah, right. the Middle Ages. He's going to cancel that order for ye oldy worldy 60 degree of loft. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. You're a beauty. Mate, it's a terrific story. You can read all of it. If you want to know more about uh, Mizuno, you can read it in Inside Golf. It's a great article you've written there. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty extensive article, a couple of pages. It's online now, so just... Um, yeah, just go to insidegolf.com.au and, uh, and check it out. Wonderful, mate. Thank you for your time, and we will uh, talk with you again very soon. One more time, Larry, just for Richard. Oh, <laughs> Never gets, never gets old, is it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's old now. It's old now. It just got old. <laughs> thanks, Richard. Uh, thanks, guys. Travel the world and play golf. Let's go somewhere with Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Well, Port Stephens is a, a great golf destination in New South Wales and one of the best courses in the uh, Port Stephens area is Nelson Bay Golf Club. It's just 40 minutes north of Newcastle. It's around two and a half hours drive north of Sydney. And uh, Nelson Bay Golf Club is a pretty impressive 27-hole golf course, 175 acres of challenging tree-lined fairways, an idyllic setting. I know you love an idyllic setting, don't you, Larry? I love idyllic. Yeah. But the other thing about Nelson Bay is it's home to kangaroos, wallabies, koalas, native birds. They even get the occasional goanna on there as well, <laughs> would you believe? <laughs> to tell us more about what's so special about Nelson Bay Golf Club, the general manager, Trevor Harrison, is on the phone. G'day, Trevor. Hi there, Larry. How are you? Good, Trev. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Mate, this is a. I've played this golf course a long, long time ago. It was always a beautiful golf course, but it's uh, it's it's gone ahead in leaps and bounds, hasn't it? Now, can you tell us a little bit about? We, there were obviously there was, it was big news when the when the clubhouse burnt down back in two thousand and fifteen, uh, and sad. But um, it, you've rebuilt. Uh, you're forging forward. Tell us a little about the clubhouse, Trev. Yeah, well, we after the fire, we had this opportunity to to you know. Purpose build a clubhouse, I suppose. You know, what we required instead of having the old clubhouse that had been built on started off like a little church on a hill and that had gone to over the decades. Um, that disappeared with the fire and, and we got this opportunity to, uh, to build, like I said, a purpose built clubhouse and uh, and to look at other things besides golf. You know, we're very strong in golf um, with about 75,000 rounds a year with our 27 holes. Oh, wow. So, uh, but, you know, we know golf. Isn't isn't growing, and um, we needed to look at other ways to, to make some income, and that was through uh, mainly through functions and uh, corporate golf, and uh, and uh, also play type shows, and that. So, and that's all starting to build up now. You know, we're a year into operations. This Friday, we opened on the third of August last year, so I don't know where that year's gone, but um, um, you know, all our numbers are, are trending the right way, and uh, we hit we hit the ground running. And, yeah, that day we opened, and yeah, like I said, I don't know where the twelve months has gone, but it's a, it's a great story for the club itself. It, it's I mentioned in the intro, Port Stephens is a golfing destination, and obviously Nelson Bay is uh, one of the highlights of of any trip to play golf in the the Port Stephens region. Uh, the word idyllic I, I used as well in the intro, but when you look at the photos of your course, I, I haven't been lucky enough to play it yet, but I'm hoping I do one day. It does look like that. It looks absolutely beautiful. The natural landscape of the area just looks sensational. Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. We, you know, we've got houses that basically run along the the left-hand side of our second fairway and on our third tee and that's it. Then you just go into this uh, this bushland and, uh, you know, there's there's nothing. There's no road noise. Um, the the buzzer boys from the Air Force Base give us a little display every now and then that wakes us up. But, um, you know, you get out there and you, you come across these kangaroos that look at you as if to say, well, what are you doing on our golf course? And, 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, we we blend together. They, uh, you know, we study and we do tours with them. Um, it's become another part of our business, and you know, it's something we're trying to do. You know, we know we're a destination. We know people will come and play our golf course. We've got two other fairly good golf courses in the area, and you know, it's about people staying. You know, to put money into the the town's economy, not just coming in and out, uh, do a a whale watch tour or something, but um, you know, to spend a few days there. And, and you know, it is a beautiful. A, a bit of water, you know, the, the bay itself um, is, is yeah, idyllic is a, is a good word. And, you know, we often tell people not to go away and tell too many people about the place because it <laughs> it's, it's a very special place. And, uh, and yeah, we're very fortunate where we're located in the town. So, uh, yeah, we are fortunate. We've talked a lot about, uh, Trev, about the, the surrounds, the, the picturesque, the, the beautiful clubhouse, but the golf course itself, it is a flat-out championship golf course, isn't it? Yeah, yep. It's set up with the twenty-seven holes, and then we break that into three different eighteens. Being you know, one to eighteen is our guy, Mia Lily. Everything up in the area is named after after uh, native uh, vegetation, and uh, but then we go to ten to twenty-seven and nineteen through to nine. So um, you know, it's not like you play one to eighteen every time you go out there and play, and mm-hmm. uh, we can mix it up and you know have you know this week will be our, our stroke round on one course, and then stable for round on another on Saturday. So, again, you know, if you don't want to take on the challenges of uh, stroke, and it is a tough course to play stroke around, you know, particularly our 12th hole, uh, I suppose it's a bit of a signature hole, a bit of a horseshoe, par five. Oh, yeah, and then, yeah. Then yeah. our 22nd, that's actually the narrowest par five in uh, in Australia. That, in, uh, the world, Jeff, in the world, <laughs> In the world. In the world, yeah. Well, but, yeah, I was, I was trying to be kind, <laughs> but... Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, if you, you play that, if you... If there, do we play that as a as a whole course? I can't even recall that. But if you put, get both those in your eighteen, you're mm. you're in for a good day, yeah. especially in the stroke round. So, uh, but that's that's the beauty of it. There's a challenge, and uh, you know sometimes driver's not your best friend, mm. and and you, yeah, you you try try and play to the uh, play to the right spot. So uh, yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting test, and and most probably you know, I, I left Long Reef. I was a well, we're a long reef and I'm playing off 15, 16 up, <laughs> up at Nelson Bay. So, um, yeah, that's how it goes. Sounds like a wonderful place. If people want to know more, uh, Trevor, about playing uh, Nelson Bay, if they're up in the Port Stephens area, uh, go to the website, best thing to do, because you've got yeah. a lot of information there. Yeah, plenty of information on the website about all, all the different things we do, from the kangaroo tours, the dining, you know, there's packages with the um, with the local uh, hotels and that, uh, and, you know, we're linked up with the the sand dunes as well as as the whale watches. All the information's on our website that'll link up with the, all those different businesses in town. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, it, it is a great place to live and, and a great place to holiday. And, uh, um, yeah, I can only recommend that people have a look. And, uh, yeah, we're, like we said, two and a half hours out of Sydney, so it's not a mm-hmm. taxing, uh, taxing drive up there. And... Uh, once you get up there, there's plenty of places to unwind besides Nelson Bay Golf Club. It sounds like uh, the perfect place for my good friend Larry Canning and myself <laughs> to visit Trev. Trev, that's the longest he's been on an interview with someone from a beautiful place without throwing that in. So they're baiting you up so that, oh, come up and have a free game and stay okay. with us. And uh, He's more than welcome. Excellent. We, we, yeah, we, we do the FOC. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Good on you, mate. That All website right. is um, www.nelsonbaygolf.com. All the information is there. Good on you, Trevor. Thank you for your time, mate. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Trevor. All right. Thanks very much. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Larry, it's time for a tip. Uh, when I play golf, I like to see the ball go high in the air. 
doesn't happen that often, but it's just one of those things for a high handicapper like me, I like to see it get off the ground. Yeah, you know, definitely get off the ground is, is step one in, in becoming any sort of golfer, Steve, yes, but I'm talking more around the greens, chipping and pitching, where I see a lot of people that aren't good enough and don't practice enough taking out the wedges, the 60 degree, the 56, the 52, because they've bought them, because they see the tour players use them. And the tour players practice with these things every day of their life, so but, they, they get it. But isn't isn't one of the things about, I just mentioned the way I think about it, doesn't that apply to a lot of, you know, players, a lot of a lot of um, average golfers, they like to see the ball get up, and that's no, why they... The, you're the only one. No, no I'm the, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, look, there's an element of truth in what you're saying, Steve, yes. The, but you uh, don't... Getting, you, a, getting a nice shot up in the air, and even having it back spinning, seeing it spinning on the green is great. But, but you it doesn't... The so. end of... No, well, the, the scorecard actually is the, is the thing that most people should be focusing on, not a pretty looking shot or a, or a beautiful drive. Um, and that's why people have got these handicaps that are often way higher than they should be. Um, look, around the grain, Steve, uh, there's, been, there's a lot of talk about wedges and, and having incremental lofts in, in your wedges, having four wedges sometimes in sets, you see. As I said, it's okay for, for Dustin Johnson to have that or Jordan Spieth. But um, for, for you and I, um, they're, they're too, if you've got all those wedges in your bag, you're going to want to use them all the time. You don't really need them all. Um, and and it's a very, this is a generalisation, I know, but... A lot of times, the people I play with, the amateurs I play with, I see them taking out a wedge where they could have the same result with a six or a seven or an eight iron. Uh, if there's, no, if you don't have to loft the ball in the air, don't. It's much harder to do than hit it lower to the ground. I'm not talking about along the ground, although that's an option as well. Yeah. With maybe a putter or a hybrid or a three wood run up. Um, I'm talking more about the fact that if if you miss hit, if you if you've got like a sixty degree wedge. You're hitting the ball 20 yards. You need X amount of force, right? So you got to have a golf swing. Take the swing back maybe to hip height or even waist height um, to get the ball to go that distance. Now, if you mishit that, if you get that a bit thin, that goes 40 yards, not 20. And you can actually hurt people with that sort of shot. Um, but if you were to use a 7 or an 8 on, assuming there's not a bunker or some water hazard in between you and the green, uh, you're, you're, the force you need is about half that. So if you mishit it, it only goes... 22, 23 yards. So you've got a 10-foot putt instead of a 2-foot putt. That's a complete miss hit. So uh, unless you practice every day and you and you get every chip shot perfectly, there's no need to use loft unless, of course, like I just said, if you're yeah. going over something, then Something's you have to Something's in the way. Yeah. So just go to the practice fairway, go around a chipping green, grab your 8-on and 7-on, just do some little runny ones and see how you go with that. And you'll find that you can miss hit half of those and still get a reasonable result. So your scorecard will show it, Stevie. Think about what Uncle Larry says, loft down. Loft down. If you have the choice, loft down. Has anyone in the world of golf ever said that before? Or did you just make that up? No, I've just made that up. The canning principle, we'll call it loft down. Loft down. Larry, loft down. Let's uh, go to you with a bit of a spit as well to to finish up today. Um, You're not happy with the the work of Bryson DeChambeau. What's he done? Well, the European Open was played recently, Stephen. He was in the last group. I think he was leading going to the last round. He was playing with a guy called Richard McAvoy, 39-year-old Englishman who has played 285 events without a victory, right? So um, it's clear during halfway through the round that Bryson's not going to win. He's having an absolute shocker. Triple bogey's the 18th hole, shoots 78, finishes 12th. Um, and at the same time, Richard McAvoy is, is watching all this unravelling in front of his eyes, but he's staying solid. He has his first ever win, and it's a big win, the European Open. So he is over the moon. This is a life-changing day for this bloke. Bryson DeChambeau, who's had a shocker, 
the walks nearly straight past him. When it's time to, to the, the last putters hold, Richard wants, puts his hand out to shake hands with Bryson. I, I, I think from the footage you can barely see Bryson's hand going into the Richard's hand and then shake and didn't even look him in the face and just kept walking. And he, DeChambeau has copped an absolute smashing on well, social media over this. It's the way to – you look at the the look on Richard McAvoy's face. He's just mm. won. Uh, for what did you say, 285 – Vict- uh, tournaments to get his first victory and, and the European Open is a bloody ripper and you can see that on his face yes. you know, the, the, just uh, how journey. much that means to absolutely. him absolutely it's a massive day for him Bryson's going to win lots of other stuff he's already won twice in America he's 24 years old he is now a millionaire it, it would be clear he's a very marketable character when he first turned professional they call him the professor he's unique good looking bloke has all the right bits to be a multi and I'm sure he already is this round it wasn't that important to him it wasn't going to change his world but the, just the, the the lack of respect, the lack of class when he shook the guy's hand, was was really bad. And look, I reckon Deschambeau's in a bit of trouble in terms of he, he went he went ape. Can I say shit? He, I just did. Go on. Yeah. He went ape shit in and on the British in the British Open on the practice fairway. There's footage of him doing this, throwing clubs all over the place on the practice fairway. Yeah, the guy's in trouble. There's something wrong. Yeah, someone's got to pull him aside. Say, Bryce, hey mate, it's a game. It's, you're rich. You're a kid. It's a game. Um, calm yourself down, mate, and, and show a bit of respect. Well, the well, thing is that, yeah, it, it's it's been described as classless, the way he yes. behaved. That's the, that's the word that's been used most often in descriptions of what happened at the end of the, uh, of the event. But the thing is, it's such a rarity in the game, too. It, it then stands out. We don't see that sort of behaviour from golfers at any level. Uh, I don't think I've ever on seen a regular it, basis. I've been a pro forty years. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that to another yeah. player. So uh, you know, the advice to Bryson DeChambeau is, mate, never ever do that again mm. because number one, you're compromising yourself and your reputation as a golfer, but you're also compromising the game of mm. golf by doing that because that sort of behaviour generally is or universally is not accepted. No, so don't do it, mate. Yeah, who's having the spit? Calm me yourself or down, you? mate. Yeah, you were supposed to start, it was supposed to be mine. You stole spit. my spit. I'm sorry. No, That's I'm sorry. a dreadful thing to think. <laughs> I wish I hadn't have said that. Yeah. Yeah. Get it together, Bryson. Yeah. Good yeah, player. Get, get some help, mate. Get yeah. some help. Yep. Obviously, there's something not right there. All right. Thank you, Larry. We have to uh, finish up, but before we do, we need to mention, uh, sadly, the passing of one of the characters of Australian golf. Yeah, Ian Stanley, Steve, lost his battle with cancer. Recently, um, as you said, a, a true character in the, the, the era when there were a lot of characters on the golf course back in the, the Jack Newton, uh, Ian Stanley days. and um, Yeah, sad passing and, and our thoughts go out to the Stanley family. I remember Ian Stanley playing it. It was the New South Wales Open back in the early 90s. It was up at Bathurst. I think we've spoken about it before, but I, can, I don't know which round it was, but Ian Stanley was, he was out early and he was determined to be back in early as well. <laughs> I think he played those 18 holes in about 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it, and that sounds like something he would have done, yes. Yeah, great character and, and a sad passing, Ian Stanley. And let's also send our thoughts to Jared Lyle, a, a brilliant golfing talent and a bloke who has battled cancer so bravely a number of times throughout his adult life. Uh, The news this week that he is in palliative care has rocked the golfing world, and all we can do is offer our best wishes and positive thoughts at this time. Uh, Larry, thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen. That's uh, another episode of Backspin Done and Dusted. We're going to put that uh, footage of Bryson to Shambo. Not that mm. we're, we're trying to be too tough on Bryson, but we'll... Oh, we'll, he's copying we'll it from everywhere, up, yeah. We'll put it up on the Facebook page just so you can see what happened. Mm. Don't forget, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to insidegolf.com.au for any information you need. And we will be back in the very near future with another episode of Backspin. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye, listeners.